everyone. All right, man, and we're live. So everybody, thank you for tuning back in to the Bottom of the Ninth Podcast. I'm your host, Elijah Rodriguez, and today we're with another guy, another stud. His name's Noah Vaughn. He's out of Arlington, right? You're in Arlington right now? or West Fort Worth. West Fort Worth. Awesome, man. So how are you doing today? Doing well, man. Excited. Awesome. Yeah, we're pumped to have you on, dude. I've I've been following you for a while. I've I know we don't know each other super well, but I've been following you for a bit. You know, you got you got some cool stuff going on. I know you and your wife are always competing against each other on social media. Y'all have y'all have gone pretty much viral in a couple of videos. I know there's that that one old school one of her. Of, I think it's in your garage. Is it in your garage? Yeah. So yeah. that was uh, golly. I, I'll get into that a little bit because that was a funny story. <laughs> so that was Corona. We were in yeah, quarantine yeah. 2020, and uh, I had just gotten back. So we went we went to spring training that year. Right. Mm-hmm. Literally, we're at spring training for a week, and we mm-hmm. played like one inner squad, and they pulled us off the field. They're like, "Hey, y'all gotta go. We gotta get. Back. <laughs> I gotta go home. What's going on? Yeah. Um, and so we went. We came back home to Texas. And the funny th- story about that is like that was my in laws' house. Me and my wife, we were living at my in laws' house. At oh, the time. gotcha. Okay. And they got it. They had a nice house out in West Texas. And so mm-hmm. everybody that the video we're pitching from one small garage into another garage <laughs> and everybody in the comments is like asking these ridiculous questions. Like what, how are you pitching out of one garage towards another garage? Oh, y'all yeah. got money. I think everyone <laughs> was assuming that I was like a big leaguer for the A's and I'm like, no, like yeah. I am. That's what it honestly, like for first like glance, I was like, dang, these guys either have money or you sign a massive, cause we knew you played pro balls. Like maybe he signed a massive contract and like they just haven't, they have it. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So that was, that was funny. And we were literally just, I was I was facing her to like get some at bats just yeah, to yeah. something because obviously it was Corona so we I couldn't go yeah you couldn't do much yeah thing and so she was like I'll pitch to you and I was like all right and I I struggled in the, in minor league ball with high high velocity and yeah so I was like just throw me rise balls like I need to work in my swing on the plane and yeah. so she was throwing me just up in the zone up in the zone and we liked recording it because it was pretty nasty it's yeah yeah ball that we use and the movement's just sick and yeah so. uh we were recording it. I got a hang of one, and, and you it was just, it. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. I just felt the need to bat flip her because she usually carves me up, like you'll yeah, see yeah. in videos. And so when I finally got her, I was like, "Oh, that felt good. I want to enjoy it." <laughs> it looked but, good. It looked solid, man. I got to it, it, it looked we clean. Went back and watched it, and it looked awesome. I was like, "I'm sorry, I'm posting that." And she was like, "But I'm <laughs> up for it." And, and she was she she played softball too. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. it, it, yeah, where'd she play at? She played at Texas A and M. Oh, okay, in there. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, nice. She's, she's better than I am. Um, and <laughs> then she went on to play pro ball and uh, okay. still playing. She just took a, a couple of years off because we just had a kid. I know y'all had a child. Yeah, congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank I you. see that. Yeah. I see that hat. Girl dad. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> and so uh, she's she's getting back into the groove of things and looking forward to hopefully going and playing again this next year. So. Awesome, man. That's great. Well, cool. So let, let's get back into you, man. So so where are you from? Are you from Arlington originally? Is that is that where you're from? So originally, I was born in Orlando, Florida. Oh, okay. Orlando for about ten years. Oh, wow. When I was in like fourth or fifth grade, moved over to Texas, and I lived in Houston. uh, Oh, okay. North North Houston in the Woodlands. Went to middle school, high school there. Played at College Park High School in the Woodlands. Okay. What got me up in Arlington was college ball. I got college ball. Okay. Recruited by UT Arlington. Mm -hmm. Played up here um, for three years from 2015 to 18, and then got drafted in 18 my junior year by the Oakland A's okay, uh, 12th round. And then basically once I was up here, me and Riley met in college and mm-hmm. uh, her family's from Fort Worth. They've been up okay. here their whole life. And so yeah. um, once we got engaged and married, I was like, I'd got no reason really to go back to Houston. So just kind of <laughs> hung around Makes up sense. here. So now we're yeah. Fort Worth. 
Yeah. Awesome, man. So, so you're from Houston. You played in the Woodlands. Yeah, that's. Yep. I've, I'm pretty familiar with Houston. I've played actually all my summer ball years. I played out there because there's nothing okay. in San Antonio. Because I'm from San Antonio, and that's where we have our okay. headquarters yeah. here. But yeah. there's no baseball here. At least at the time, it's growing now. But at the time, right. there wasn't a whole lot to play here. So I'd go like to Lufkin. I'd come back, and there's like nothing. So we were going to Houston and Dallas and everywhere to play. Yeah. Um, and I was a pitcher, so I was mostly just going where I could get like a couple of innings a weekend. Right. You know? Right. So that was kind of the that was kind of the deal. But so out of out of high school, did, were you highly rec- I mean, obviously UTA is solid school. Were you highly recruited? Is uh, that the only yeah, offer you had? I, um, man, honestly, I was kind of like a I flew under the radar pretty hard. Yeah. That was one of the things like in high school it, it bugged me, dude. I was like yeah. I, I knew I had talent, um, but I just didn't really get the looks a lot of yeah, kids. Yeah. Um and then my junior year going into senior year, like I had a little growth spurt, started mm-hmm. to get more body control, a little bit better speed, a little more pop. Um, and so my junior summer, I played for the Houston Heat. Okay. And that was a big summer for me. I got some looks there. I, I, the biggest school I talked to was Arkansas. And it was actually okay. the first school that recruited me was Arkansas. So wow. in my head, I was like, let's go. And, you know, talked to Arkansas and then a bunch of other, you know, a lot of JUCOs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just a lot of kind of mid-major D1s, smaller yeah you know sunbelt with ut yeah. arlington and then a lot of southland schools a&m corpus mm-hmm. um, nickel state just just a bunch of decent schools good baseball yeah, yeah. um but man after leading off with arkansas i was like man i could go, I could it go feel, yeah it feels down. like a little bit of a letdown but not really man i mean uta is a, they're a solid program yeah yeah and like out of, out of high school like when you get that taste of a little bit of like d1 schools interested in yeah. you like, i'm going d1 <laughs> Yeah. Um, after kind of, you know, working my way through the recruiting process, UTA was a school that I had never heard of, mm-hmm. uh, just being from Houston, you yeah, know, yeah. Up here in the DFW area, like UTA is pretty well known. I'd never heard of them. And so I went on all my visits, like yeah. every school that was interested in me, I was like, look, I'm going to take the time to go to every one of these visits because you just never know. Right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, of course. Um, when I got to UTA first, I was just shocked by the facilities. I mean, the field it's is nice. Field's nice. Beautiful. They're, yeah. They just built a brand new hitting facility like a couple oh, wow. of years before I got up there. And so that was a big thing. I went in and mm-hmm. saw that hitting facility. I was like, I'm going to live up here. <laughs> it's and nice. They were also building like a multi million dollar brand new clubhouse, which mm-hmm. turned out to be amazing. And by the yeah. time I got on campus, it was brand new and it was ours that first year. That's so, insane. Um, just the facilities, the, the coaching staff. I mean, the the recruiter his name is Fuller Smith he's now with Sam Houston but mm-hmm. that guy just when I tell you like that coach makes you feel wanted mm-hmm. every time that guy picked up the phone and called me I was like dude this guy wants me so bad whereas yeah. other schools is like they show interest yeah. but yeah I, you get the feeling yeah I know what you I know what you mean yeah and so when I got on campus got around the coaches saw the facilities like and that's why I wanted to go on every visit. Mm-hmm. When you go on your visits, you just kind of get this gut feeling. You're like, this yeah. is what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and yeah. So I got that feeling. Sunbelt Conference, good conference. You know, not obviously not a power five, but really good talent in that conference. Mm-hmm. Coastal Carolina, Texas State, South yeah. Alabama. So I knew I'd be playing some good, some good talent. And also with UTA being where it is in DFW, we got TCU, DBU, A&M's mm-hmm. right down the road, Baylor, yeah. OU. And so I knew – even though I, I wanted to be at one of those big power five schools, I was like, look, this is a place for me where I can go in and start as a freshman. Mm-hmm. And I had to weigh the pros and cons. I had to say, okay, do I go to an Arkansas who offered me like 10%? It was something small. Yeah. 
because I wanted that, you know, that big power five SEC. Like, yeah, yeah everybody wants that. Mm-hmm. But I was like, am I realistically going to go there and, and be a guy who starts and get playing time and hopefully get drafted? Because for me, the goal is to get drafted. Yeah, yeah absolutely. To go of course. win a college World Series, then maybe I would have made a different decision. But like for me, I wanted to play pro ball. And so I was yeah. like, I need to go somewhere I can play. I needed to develop. And UTA was that place for me. I could go in, start as a freshman. And after one week, I was, you know, yeah, first, yeah. they maybe earned it a little bit, but after <laughs> a week, good, I was starting in right field. And then my, my sophomore year, I was the center fielder and was there starting every game pretty much until I got drafted. So it worked out. And, you know, looking back on it, I don't think I would change a thing. Um, the only thing I, w- I, I have considered now that I know what I know is like, I think I would have considered juco a little bit more yes yeah. yeah really. You know, when you have all these d1 schools that that want you you kind of put juco on the back burner you're like i don't yeah. go to juco, man. i got these d1 schools here but knowing what i know now i could have gone juco to a weatherford or a, a blend or somewhere mm-hmm. for a year and ended up at the big the big yeah. school that i wanted but in the end it all worked out i you know i achieved what i wanted i got drafted went on to get to play pro ball and so uta was the perfect fit for me yeah, man, that's that sounds about right. So, I mean, the, and when so when you signed, I know you said they really wanted you and you had that feeling. Did yeah. you know? Did they kind of tell you like, "Hey, we have this, like, we have this spot for you, like, we're expecting you to make yeah. an, an immediate impact," or was it like, you know, and yeah, and that was that was definitely one of the things I asked because on all my visits, I was like, "Look, mm-hmm. how realistic is it for me to come in and start as a freshman? Right. Like, I want I want playing time." And um, UTA kind of told me like I was their dude, like in yeah. that in that yeah. recruiting class. I was their guy they wanted. And mm-hmm. they said, obviously you have to earn it, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, nothing's you, given. Yeah. But you're gonna have ample opportunity to come in and start as a freshman if you earn it. And that's absolutely all I yeah. Like, I, I knew I was gonna earn it. I knew I was gonna put in the work to make it happen. I just needed to know if there was a window of opportunity there and it was. And so once they told me that and like I said, once I had that gut feeling, I was like, All right, this is it. So. This is place, yeah, that's awesome, man. But that's good that you found like your home, man. Like that's that's a big topic. Obviously, our podcast is like super like informative. We like we get guys like you to come on and talk about like yeah. your your playing days, your performance day, like how you were playing and, and kind of the process that it took you through. Because a lot of people that are listening, are obviously kids that are coming up, right. they're looking at it that may be about to go through the recruiting process or maybe going through the recruiting process. And like yeah. that's what you just said is like really important because a lot of people don't take that into account they would have gone the they get the one offer from arkansas and they're like oh, i'm gonna take it immediately because it's it's the it's the clout that comes with it and it's like on paper it looks amazing but i'm i'm like really surprised man because the young kids don't think that way they're not like oh you know like will i be able to play they're like no i right. can and it's, I can it's showcase. like, you said. It's, like yeah. you said it's it's the clout right and i get yeah. like I, trust me i get the the idea of like big d1 power five <laughs> yeah. like it's sexy right it's yeah, like yeah it looks cool yeah, this is what i want you know and there's no problem striving for that, but you also mm-hmm. got to be realistic and you got to, you got to figure out what your goals are. And like, yeah. if I can give any advice to a young kid listening about just the recruiting process, one, be open-minded, you mm-hmm. know, don't, don't like cross anybody off too early in your recruiting process. Like for me, I, I crossed Juco's out. Once I got like one or two D1s that were interested, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, Juco's, Juco's an afterthought. I don't yeah. need that. I got D1 schools interested, but you also never know, like through the recruiting process, things change. Like Arkansas was on me heavy. Like yeah. they, they were the first school to talk to me and like they were interested. Tony Vitello was the recruiting coordinator there at the mm-hmm. time. He's now head coach at Tennessee and obviously crushing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was on me heavy and I was like, dude, this is sick. I'm going to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just 
through, you know, the following weeks and the rest of that year, like they recruit other guys and they might've mm-hmm. found the guy that maybe fits what they need better. Right. And yeah. I can tell that happened a little bit. Um, they mm-hmm. had some meetings, you know, Vitello didn't stop reaching out, but there was definitely a drop in the interest there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So had I just completely thrown all those other options away and said, no, I'm, I'm going to Arkansas. And then that happened. And I go mm-hmm. in with a 10% scholarship. It's like, man, I, I just wasted all these other schools and all these. Yeah, other yeah. So keep your, keep your options open. Don't, don't mark anybody off the list until you've weighed every single pro and con. Um, go on all your visits. That's yeah. like I said, man, I, I didn't know anything about UTA until mm-hmm. I went on my visit. I got on campus and like, I'm telling you when you are at your future home, that feeling mm-hmm. you'll, you'll get it. Like you'll know. You know it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but I was that's, at UTA. I got yeah. it. And so, yeah, that's, that's actually what we spoke to. Um, a girl, her name is Amanda Worth. She played out in Buffalo. She played at Ni- uh, Niagara university. She was a, yeah. uh, like a five year she played, she was a stud now has a facility out there in Buffalo and, what you just said is exactly what you said. Like when you know, you know that this is like where I want to play. You can have all these schools coming after you and like they may look great on paper and, and give you throw the book at you until you come here. But if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel like this is where, you know, you're going to spend 90% of your time at this facility at, with these guys for the next three to four yeah. years. Better You need to know that that's, <laughs> that you're in the right place. And like back to yeah. your idea about, you know, what is, you know, everyone wanting that the clout or the the big power five school. Like that's why you see so many kids enter the transfer portal, man. Mm-hmm. Like yep. that's, that didn't happen as much, you know, even just five years ago, six no. or seven years ago when we were in college, it's like yeah. you go where you go, you, you commit there and like you grind it out and you find a way. <laughs> and I think yeah. a lot of kids now they get that little taste of interest from a big school and they immediately jump on board without having any idea what it really looks like. Mm-hmm. Having all the details, like, without asking the questions, am I going to go in and have a true shot to play as a freshman? They just say, Oh, power five school is interested in me. I'm there. Yeah. And then they they sit for for three years. Yeah. (laughs) Go where you're needed. And I'm telling you through the recruiting process, you are going to know what schools need you. What schools Mm -hmm. truly want you. Right. And what schools just, just want an extra body. Who's got a little bit of talent. And so, And that I, I got that feeling. I knew UTA had a deep interest in me. I knew that that was needed. And when you're needed, you're going to play. Yeah. They yeah, just, I don't th- yeah, I just put that in talent. They might have you on board. You might sit a little bit, get a pinch hit here and there. <laughs> and then two years go by and you haven't really sniffed the field at all. And you're wondering what the heck happened. So then you yeah. jump the transfer portal, you start the process all over again. And you've just wasted two years of college pro ball or college ball. So it's, yeah. man, it's go on your visits, take the time weigh all the options don't jump the gun so quick because i know how attractive those big power fives can be but you gotta you gotta know what's best for you and what, what's best for your goals you know what do you yeah. want if, if you want to go win a college world series and you're not really worried about playing time then sure yeah go to your power five school but if you want to develop and become a really good ball player and potentially play pro ball one day man there's a lot of good mid-major schools there's a lot of good jucos that can do that so yeah that's that's probably the best advice I could give as far as the recruiting process. Solid man, yeah. You put that. I mean, I don't think you could put that any any better with every detail. That's like the best I've heard so far. But so so yeah, man. I mean, and that's the other thing. JUCO man, JUCO's no slouch. I I face some dudes in JUCO that are they're studs. They're studs, man. Either didn't make the grades or they go to get drafted, and you that's right. that's evident why they're there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so you you go to UTA, play there for three. So you're a three year starter, yeah, for the for the first yeah, three years, for, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Um. So when did the, when did the big league stuff kind of start creeping in? When did, when did that start happening? 
Yeah. So for me, I mean, you know, as like a kid, that was always the goal, right? Like, right. I mean, that's every kid's, that's every kid's goal, play professional baseball. I grew up a Yankees fan, which I know a lot of people hate, but, uh, that's me too, man. I'm a Yankee fan. It's all good. I grew up a Yankees fan and I was like, I wanted to, I wanted to be the center fielder for the New York Yankees. You know, yeah. that was the dream. And, mm-hmm. and growing up, it was that primetime Yankees team. <laughs> no, Jorge yeah. Masada, Jason mm-hmm. Giambi. Like, Giambi was my dude. I was a lefty. I used to wear 25 on all my teams because like, yeah. Giambi was my dude. I was like, I'm going to play first base or outfit for the Yankees. Yes. So that was always the, the, the big dream, right? Mm-hmm. And then as you're going through college and, and high school and college, you know, your dreams got to, they shift a little bit. They start to see the reality of it. For me at UTA, um, like I said, going in, my, my goal was to get drafted. I I knew I wanted that. Um, and as after my freshman year, I, I struggled a little bit. My freshman year, um, hit around like 270, not a whole lot of power numbers. Yeah. Um, so I struggled to kind of really settle in and, and I think tap into the potential I really had. And Mm -hmm. so those dreams started to shift a little bit. I was like, all right, maybe I just like, don't focus so much on the future. Don't focus mm-hmm. so much on pro ball. Like focus on how I can develop right here, right now, get better yeah. myself and help my team. Because I think once I bought into the idea of stop worrying about me and my goal so much and like right. play the game for what it is, it's a team sport. Yeah. Help your team. Um, that's when I really took off. And I came back my sophomore year and I had to make some hitting adjustments, which we can get into all the hitting stuff. Yeah, but basically, we'll, yeah we'll get in that. I, I made some mechanical adjustments that took me from being just a single kind of handsy slapping balls around singles hitter to learning how to use my body the right way and really mm-hmm. driving the baseball with backspin for power to the pool side specifically. And so yeah. once I made that adjustment, um, my game elevated, man, I started smacking doubles and homers. I think my sophomore year I had nine homers. After wow. freshman year I had two sophomore Dang. year. nine, So pretty big jump. And, um, there was one game I, I really remember that I think put me on the map with some scouts my sophomore year. We were playing OU in a midweek, and we went up there, and uh, two innings into the game, it, this was just just haymakers left and right, like offensive <laughs> explosion. Yeah. Um, the first inning, I think we put up like seven runs in the first inning against on OU. OU, dang. The wind was going crazy. It was it was a crazy <laughs> windy night. Balls were flying. Yeah. Uh, my first at bat, I hit a completely wind assisted grand slam to left field. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Should have been a pop up to third base. And I hit it like literally, there's a video. I hit it, I put my head down, I'm running to first. And then I look up, and my first base coach was like, go, go. I look up, ball's going <laughs> yeah. up the wall. I'm like, what the heck just happened? But, yeah. anyways, grand slam to left field. Second inning rolls around, bases are loaded again. I hit a bases clearing triple to the left center gap. I got seven Dang. RBIs in two innings. And, um, there were some scouts there because yeah. you know it's OU. You're playing at OU. Mm-hmm. They want to see some arms, and um, always a good opportunity for the mid-major schools to show off a little talent too. Yeah. And so, um, seven RBIs in two innings. I, I think you know some scouts were a little eye-opened, like who is this kid? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. always had decent speed. And so I think as my sophomore year went on, I started to really get into that speed power combo okay. that a lot of scouts like to see, um, and then. By the end of my sophomore year, still no interest from schools or uh, mm-hmm. from pro teams, no yeah. no contact yet. But my coach told me at the end of my sophomore year in my exit meeting, he said, next year when you come in, do not be surprised if you get some, some uh, you know, talkings to from some pro teams, which mm-hmm. for me, I was like, oh, crap. It's oh, eye-opening. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
he said, you're not going to be here after your junior year. And that one stuck with me. I was like, Oh yeah, that's yeah. I think that my coach wasn't trying to blow smoke up my butt, but I think he was trying to light a little bit of a fire. Yeah. Yeah. Like this off season, this summer, your sophomore summer, you need to shift your focus, not away from helping the team developing, but like you need to realize what your potential is. And when he told me that there's a possibility you're not going to be here after your junior year, for me, I was like, the idea of getting drafted as a junior out of a a mid-major like that, I was like, Mm -hmm. no way. Like maybe a senior late pickup, like late Mm -hmm. round 30, 40 round pickup. And when he told me that, I was like, all right, like that just lit a fire under me. My sophomore year, I I didn't even go play summer ball. I was like, I'm taking this this year. I'm going to get bigger, faster, stronger. I'm going to spend time in the cage refining my swing. And so I did that (laughs) sophomore summer. And that was probably one of the best things I did. I played, I played ball freshman summer, Mm -hmm. sophomore summer. I was like, I'm going to, take some time away from the game and just focus on my yeah. body, my strength, my speed, yeah. my, my swing and just refine it all. And so I got back junior year and first week on campus in the fall, the, the uh, Mariners contacted me, the, I want to say the Reds or I, I forget the other team, but I was like, all right, ball's rolling. It's, yeah. it's, it's really happening. And that first questionnaire I got from the Mariners, I was like, Oh my gosh, like my it's coach insane, called me yeah. in. Um, the, the scout was in there and he was talking to me and I was like, dude, this is legit. This could actually <laughs> yeah, years. that's gotta be such an unreal feeling. Honestly, that's like, so that's surreal. Insane. It was, it's just like you, the years and years of, of grinding and mm-hmm. it starts to feel like, okay, we're close. Like it's mm-hmm. almost there. And, um, so my junior year and it's hard too, because while that's happening, you can't let it get in your head and start, right. you know, it's like, yeah. Now I got scouts looking at me and am I going to add more pressure to myself or am I just going to go play? Yeah. And, um, that fall, I actually struggled a little bit my junior fall Mm. because of the pressure. Just, it's a lot. Yeah. You know, there's scouts that are in their squads now Mm -hmm. and, and there was no doubt, like when they came out to the inner squads, they would, I would come up to that. They'd go over to the third base dugout, film me Mm -hmm. for a couple of these and leave. And so it was like, (laughs) they're literally here at these inner squads watching me and, the, just the pressure that can put on you. It's like, yeah, it's, that's too and much. So yeah. um, I struggled that fall a little bit because I was just putting pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was actually the pitching coach at UTA. He taught, he pulled me aside one day. It's like, dude, look, you've got all the talent. You've got the skills. You need to get out of your head. Stop, stop mm-hmm. focusing on these guys with their video cameras and all that. Go play the ball that you've been playing last year. And we know you're capable of playing this year. Mm-hmm. And everything you want is going to happen for you. You yeah. just got to go do it. And, and stop thinking so much about the scouts and, and getting drafted and all that. If you just go play the game the way you know how to, that's going to happen for you. Yeah. And that's exactly what I needed to hear. And from there, I was like, all right, shift my focus away from my selfish wants of drafted and, and getting all that back to the team. And mm-hmm. like I said earlier, when I shift my focus back to the team, it's like my game elevates. And so um, going into that spring, I was like, I was really team focused. I was like, dude, let's go. Let's go win the conference this year. Let's go. Yeah. Do something. Yeah. And um, that just, I just started balling. I, I started hot. I came <laughs> yeah. out, I had like five home runs in the first two weeks. And oh, dang. from there, it was just like more and more scouts started showing yeah, up. Sure. <laughs> They're over there filming and you see them and <clears> you're trying to block it out because you don't want to focus on yeah. it. Um, but my junior year was good, man. I think I, I hit 280 something, 14 jacks. Dang. Um, struck out a lot though. And, uh, that was always one of my things, man. I was 
from my freshman year to junior year. I went from being a freshman, you know, could slap the ball around, not a big yeah. strikeout guy. Sophomore year, I started transitioning into a little more of a power guy. And right. by the time I was a junior, I was pull side power guy. And I still have <laughs> the ability to go oppo when I yeah, needed yeah. to. But I definitely had some holes in my swings because I was so pull side power. And it paid yeah. off. I mean, I hit 14 yeah. homers, but I struck out a, a crap ton. And that definitely hurt the draft stock. But yeah, 14 homers without the, the power swings. I wouldn't have been getting looks anyways. So right, yeah. So I mean, it's like a trick of the trade. Yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah, but that is when you know the dreams turn into reality a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, it was exciting, man. That just that feeling of seeing scouts over there and, and finally feeling like your years and years of hard work of turning that little kid's dream into something that could actually happen, man. It yeah. was it was one of the best feelings in the world. My junior year was one of the just happiest times I've been in baseball because it's yeah. just one of those times in, in the baseball journey where you feel like everything's paying off and yeah. the, work, the work is, you know, I'm reaping what, what I sow. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. It's, I mean, that's, that's what everyone wants. That's what everyone's working for. I mean, some people don't get it and like, you're fortunate to do that. So that's, that's something I think sticks with you for a long time, regardless of how the game ends for you. That's yeah. still something that sticks and that's special to you, man. So <clears throat> So you come out, you just destroy everything. Obviously, your junior year—I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So when when was it? Okay, it's like towards the end of the year. Obviously, did y'all win conference that year after all, or had had that yeah, season right after you guys? Actually, a terrible. <laughs> My sophomore year, we were we were pretty good. My sophomore year, we were like ranked for a little bit, like twenty third mm-hmm. or something, for mm-hmm. a very short time. But we won we won our division of the conference that year. Okay. So junior, year, I was like, all right, let's go. Something, like, yeah, something could happen here. And we just. I think we won like 25 games junior year. Damn. Did y'all lose but, guys or what happened? Honestly, just yeah, team we just... pitching. We had okay. a lot, a lot of younger pitching, and um, there's just the team dynamic that year was just it was off. Yeah, yeah, and it, it shouldn't have been because a lot of my guys from like my freshman class, we were we had a pretty, you know, six or seven guys from that class, and we all gelled together, and it's yeah. just just could never get anything going. We just struggled in conference big time, so. Mm. Just one of those weird baseball one of those things. things. Yeah, it happens on paper. Yeah. Just, we, we're not making it happen, but well, it happens, man. I, I mean, you see that all the time. You have these teams that are stacked. I mean, that's just one yeah. of those things that happens. I mean, it just doesn't gel. Yeah. But so, so you go out there, you have a, you have a hell of a year, and then obviously end of the year comes, and then draft shows up. So, how, what was the what was the leading into that? What was the draft day experience? How did that help? Because I asked, because like you know, we talked to Jose Trevino, and we talked to King, and, and the other day we talked to Carson, and, and it's yeah. funny that I asked because this is something that everyone wants to know. And, and then I had to reiterate to Carson. Cause he was like, it's not like what you see on MLB network. I'm like, no, nah, I, I know, bro. Like those are like top three, Close, top yeah. three, top 10 picks that get that whole thing where they're on MLB yeah. network and all that stuff. Anybody, but it's nobody flying us out to anywhere. No, dude, that's, that's insane. But like, but it's still important. It's still a, it's still a lasting memory that, that sears into your brain forever. Like that's an Absolutely. amazing feeling. So, I mean, I like to hear everybody's different story because no, some yeah. of them are crazy. Like Carson was going, working at camp and, King was was doing something else, and he just saw his name pop up on the on yeah. the board, and, and it's just insane. So I, I want to hear how it went for you, and, and how that how that kind of all played out. I know, uh, like you said, man, it's a it's a moment in my life and a feeling I'll never forget when I got that call. But um, for me, it was kind of like Carson says, man, it's not what you expect. And mm-hmm. honestly, you got to at that point, like that was the first time in my career I was like, all right, this is a business. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, you're. Through through my junior year, you're you're in touch with all these scouts. You're filling out questionnaires, and then as the draft gets closer, you get more contact. Then they yeah. start calling you. And I never really had an agent. I had a mm-hmm. couple 
advisors who would give me a little bit of advice on you right. know, how to handle um, negotiating with teams because mm-hmm. without an agent, you're really on your own as far as yeah, it's tough. That was a yeah. tough place to be for me because every team is calling and they want to know, hey, what's your number? What mm-hmm. amount of money will you go for? You can't lowball yourself. No, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't go too high, yeah, because they won't take you. And so I was like, you know, asking just a couple guys that have been around the game and they knew stuff. I was like, okay, looking at my numbers in the year I had, what do you think is a realistic place to shoot money yeah. wise? And, um, they said, don't lowball yourself. Like worst case scenario, you, you shoot a little bit on the higher end. Um, but if you lowball yourself, you're not going to get what you're worth. And mm-hmm. so I, I ended up falling around like anywhere from like 150 to 200. I felt it was like a fair area for me Okay. Um, as far as money goes. And so I, I was like taking those numbers. I, I told scouts 200 because I was mm-hmm. like, all right, 150 to 200 i'm gonna shoot for the high end just yeah see, 200 just yeah that's fair yeah and um a lot of the scouts you know responded to it like all right like that's fair i, Solid. I think that's okay. a fair number we'll talk with our guys we'll get back to you we'll be in touch um there's only a couple of scouts <laughs> i'll never forget the mets the Mets scouts i forget his name um i he called me on the phone he was like all right what's your number i was like 200 and he said you struck out way too many times to be going for 200 i was like all right Damn, he told you that fair enough wow um, and I told him on the phone, I was like, all right, that's fair. Um, <laughs> you know, and then I told him anywhere from 150 to 200, I would go. And uh, okay. he was like, all right. And so, yeah, you're, you're talking to all these teams. And the hard part about it is like they all reply and they give you like this, this false hope a little bit. Yeah. Um, they're like, all right, like you can expect to go from anywhere. I What I was told from every team, you can mm-hmm. expect to go from anywhere from the fifth to 10th round. Oh, and I was like, yeah. all right, holy that's kind of, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah that's high. Yeah. And like, there's still, a, there's still 40 rounds in the draft mm-hmm. at that time. And so for yeah. me, I was like, dude, fifth to 10th round, like that's, that's early day too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was tough because here I am thinking I'm going fifth to 10th round <laughs> and I'm sitting there. Yeah. They do that. Day, yeah. Day two. I don't know. Is there, I've got to ask, man, like that's, you're the second person that's told me that, that they do that, that they'll tell you, you know, if you're here in the fifth, we'll take your, if we're here in the seventh yeah. or eighth, we'll take you. What is there like a reason behind why they do that yeah, to you? I like, I don't know. I honestly, I don't have the answer for that. Cause I'm not really like, understood why they do that. It's like, what's realistic? And then the team's pick is up and you're like, all right, this guy just told me if I'm here. And, then, they, and then it doesn't happen. Yeah. And then they take somebody else. And mm-hmm. what happened to me was I was told, um, fifth to 10th round. And then as he got closer, mm-hmm. a lot of the scouts were saying, you'll be a later day two pick. So anywhere from like eighth to 10th round. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's, I get it. Like for sure. sure. I, I didn't expect to be a fifth or sixth rounder, bro. Yeah. Like, I, like, I struck <laughs> yeah. out way too much. My average wasn't high enough. The power numbers were there, but I was like, that's, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. And, um, so late day two's there and I'm just like, man, I'm like my grip in my phone, just like trying not <laughs> to just trying to stay calm. I'm like, it's going to happen. Just whatever. And um, all those teams that are calling, and they're still calling that day. They're like, mm-hmm. hey, how you doing? Um, we see you're still on the board coming up here in the 10th round. I'm going to talk with our guys. We really like you here. Um, what's your number now? Because as the draft goes it on, changes, yeah. Changes, yeah. Right? Like we're creeping into those later rounds. It's no longer 200. Now mm-hmm. it's like, hey, what's the least you'll take is what they're asking. Right. <laughs> and yeah. so I'm like, one one twenty five plus school, you know? Yeah. Um, or one, no, I didn't say 125 yet. I was still, it was still day two. So I was like 150 plus school, finished paying for my school, 150. I'm on board. Okay. And so, um, the Mariners 
the Astros and the Cardinals, all three called me late day two and said, Hey, we're in the, the day two is done at this point. Mm-hmm. And I'm there like, dude, what's going on? And as soon yeah. as day two finished, this, those three teams called me and said, Hey, we're going to get you 11th round tomorrow. Our first pick in the 11th round, we're taking you. And I don't <laughs> remember the exact order. I don't remember what yeah. team came up first, but all three of those teams, I, I literally wake up that morning. I'm like, all right, here we go. Draft here it day. Is. This is it. Yeah. Yes. Told me they're going to take me. Let's go. And, um, I forget the order. I don't remember which of those three teams came first, but all three of them pass, pass, pass. Wow. And I'm starting to lose my mind at this point. I'm like, how do you call me and tell me you are taking me? And then, and then don't the pick comes up and all three of them, not even one of them did not take me. I was like, dude, what's going on? And, um, so at this point I'm just like, not over it, <laughs> but I'm starting to like get a little worried. I'm like, dude, I'm yeah. about to drop to like the 20th or 30th round. I'm like, what's going yeah. on? Um, and then 12th round rolls around. Mm-hmm. Same teams tell me. Same teams. They're <laughs> like, hey, sorry, we talked. We wanted to pick up this pitcher or this guy. And I was like, all right, no biggie. They said, all right, 12th round, we're going to get you. And then Oakland calls. And mm-hmm. their team I hadn't heard from a lot um, mm-hmm. during all the draft stuff. I think the Cardinals and the Astros and the Mariners were the teams I heard from the most. Um, and then Oakland calls. And honestly, this is no shot at Oakland, but like <laughs> – when I got like the Astros, I'm in Houston at the time. I got the yeah. Astros, the Cardinals, you know, the Mariners would have been great too. But I'm like, dude, I would love to go to the Astros. To the Astros, that would be sick. Yeah. Like, I could yeah. just stay home. Like, this would be sick. Um, and uh, the A's called me and they're like, hey, we see you're still there. Would you take one 100? Or no, they asked me first, what's the lowest you'll go? Oh, okay. What's the lowest you would take? And honestly, I like, I didn't really want the A's to pick me. This sounds so yeah. selfish, but I know, I know, I feel you. I get you that. I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, deep down, I would have taken anything, bro. Mm-hmm. I, the the signing bonus was that's all it was. It was a bonus to me. Like yeah. I, I would have played for pennies. The dream yeah. was to play pro ball. Like mm-hmm. the fact that somebody was about to pay me over a hundred thousand dollars to go play pro baseball is ridiculous to me. Anyways, <laughs> so that was literally yeah. just a bonus, and I was only like doing that negotiating because. Why not get the money? You have to. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to. Honestly, did not care. I was like, bro, I would go play for a plane ticket. But Mm -hmm. I didn't tell anybody that. (laughs) Um, When Oakland called, I, like I said, with those other teams being in contact with me, I I didn't, Oakland was not my first choice. But seeing the way things were going, where these teams were telling me we're taking you here and then not taking you. And say, hey, would you take a hundred plus school? I, I still wanted like, Third day three, most people are one twenty five. Is like what you're going to get in those earlier rounds of day three. Right. So I was like, you know, I, I would like one twenty five, but if if a hundred is what you guys got to give plus school, I would take it. Right. So they're like, all right, we're going to take you right here in the twelfth. And I hang up, and I'm like, part of me is like, just like excited, like let's go, yeah. let's do it. And then part of me is also like, God, they're about to pass me up too and take somebody else. And the yeah. Same happen and i'm about to drop to the 20th round um but oakland calls me they're like all right our pick's coming up we're, we're taking you right here it's it's a done deal for a hundred nice and i was like right, <clears throat> let's go because i i was not about to tell any team no don't take yeah me. no i mean things had gone you know yeah. um had it still been round six or seven and i had those other teams interested in me maybe i would have said no nah, i'm not going to take that I, I want a little more or something like that but mm-hmm. at this point i i was like i was not going to be selfish i was like look the goal is to play pro ball. The goal is not right. to get drafted by the Yankees or all this. Like that would have been tight. I would have loved <laughs> more money. Yeah. But 
that those were extras, right? Like that yeah. was icing on the cake. I wanted to go play pro baseball. And so Oakland, they called me and they said, look, we're going to take you right here. I said, let's go, let's do it. hundred, hundred thousand plus school. I was like, all right, yeah. sweet. And so the pick comes, they call me. I'll never forget that moment. I was sitting in there with my, my family, my mm-hmm. wife's family and just listening to it on the, cause by, by round three, it's no longer on TV. No, it's just, you're <laughs> so just watching you're the boards. Yeah. The, yeah. You're listening to the picks on MLB networks. Mm-hmm. website. Just being called yeah. out. Um, I think I was the 343rd or 353rd overall pick in the draft, and they called out my name. And man, I just my my heart just filled with joy. Like that yeah, was yeah. that was the moment where you know you you feel your hard work starting to pay off when you start getting attraction from scouts. But like when it's finally a done deal and that pick is made, it's like, dude, let's go. Like, yeah years and years of just grinding in the cages for hours like it all pays off and yeah it's a good feeling man it's a rewarding feeling and yeah um, at that point like like i said i didn't really care what team it was for i wanted to just go play ball and yeah um, i'm extremely grateful that oakland took a chance on me and and that uh you know they were willing to pick me and so um that was it was an incredible experience it was a stressful experience (laughs) i can imagine because i knew i knew day one obviously wasn't a thing but two days of just like what's happening why are these teams telling me they're going to take me that not take me it was it was stressful but all worth it in the end it was it was incredible man yeah i can imagine dude like i mean and the funny thing is like you say that you're like i would have played for a plane ticket i think in all honesty like everyone that gets drafted would honestly do that because that's everybody like you're not in this that's not your dream to go play pro ball right i mean that's just like just how it is right but like I mean, maybe you see the guys like the first round that like are like, hey, we're gonna like you're gonna be a first round pick. Those guys are a little different. I mean, if, if a team said, look, we're gonna give you only ten thousand dollars and a plane ticket to come play, and every team told them that, they would still do it. They'd still they do it. Yeah, absolutely. Football. Yeah, absolutely. They've, they've worked and put themselves in a position to make millions, which is awesome, dude. That's yeah. So good. But yeah, it's that was all a bonus, man. Like. And obviously, I can't tell teams that I wanted to. There's times <laughs> I was going like, dude, honestly, I don't just, have a number. Yeah, just just, just take me. I just yeah. want to play baseball. Yeah. Um, but when when you've worked yourself and had some success and in, into a position of having a little bit of leverage and making some money off of it, you got to use it. And yeah, lucky Absolutely. for me, and, and we'll get into this. Sure, um, the money actually ended up being a pretty important thing, which we can mm-hmm. talk about. Um, but. Yeah, it's anybody would play for anything, man. It, if yeah. the goals play pro ball, the the number, the money is just that's a bonus. That's all it is. Yeah, I mean, I can see where you're a little leery, you're a little iffy on the Oakland thing because I mean, you see all the stuff that about them now, and and you see how they how they kind of handle their business. And I, I honestly, yeah. me, I'm not even. I was nowhere near as good as you guys. Obviously, were at some point. I mean, I'm, I was nowhere near that. Like, obviously, the dream was there, but I was like, nah. But like, you see it now, and and you look at like. I do more of like analyzing the game. Now I talk to guys like you and I, I kind of have right. my ear more to like the league and stuff like that. And you see stuff about Oakland and everyone, the fan base is like super against them now. Right. It's, it's kind of a, a weird space. So I can see why you may, and obviously it wasn't as bad probably back then as it is like right. just, now, just but a, not a, you know, not everyone's first pick, you know, I right. would say no, yeah, like I get you. hometown kid, but like yeah, low budget, um, low budget team. Right. It's kind just, of a, but that being said at the same time, and this was where I was, I could not have been more wrong, but mm-hmm. I also was like, okay, like Oakland. And this is where I, I got to thinking way too far ahead. Yeah. I was like, I was like, all right, Oakland, like there's not that many like superstar names there. Like that's, a I can place get up fast. Play. I can rise fast. Yeah. To the league. And I can mm-hmm. get there in a couple of years. And I was, I could not have been more wrong about that. <laughs> but there was, there was so much talent in that. Oh yeah. And 
in anybody's farm system in oh, yeah. general. There is just so much talent. And so, yeah, I, I was like, <laughs> just find a positive about it. Like, obviously it was all positive. I just got drafted mm-hmm. from pro baseball. But like yeah. you said, when you're, when you're looking at it, if you ask anybody, I don't think their first choice would be like, Hey, Oakland A's that, that's, that's where I want to be. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's just, yeah. Like you said, it's low budget, man. The fan base is very loyal. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, just, it's just kind of, you've seen Oakland over the years mm-hmm. just kind of fallen off. And yeah, yeah. We're going to have new owners in a new location. So it's, Hopefully, it's, yeah. it's, it's sad to see. But um, like I said, man, I, with all that being said, I was still com- completely. Stoked. Yeah. I mean, who I wouldn't be, dude? Yeah. I mean, it's because. Yeah. They took a chance on me and that's something I'll never, I'll never take for granted. So, yeah, man. So, so you get drafted, you know, I, I'm sure you hold, you held that for a second. I mean, you enjoyed that with your family and I want to ask how that went. That's something that you hold for you and, and your memories and your family. But yeah. I know like we've, you know, I've talked to a couple of guys, so it's a quick turnaround, right? I mean, you get drafted and then they expect you right in like a couple of days. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I got drafted in that same day, Chris Riley, who's the scout who, who scouted me. Mm-hmm my house from god he was up in like oklahoma or something probably oh, dang. The guy and drove down to me from oklahoma gave him my contract i signed it um and uh it was a done deal same day that's awesome yeah literally like two days after that i was on a plane flight out to arizona for um just to the spring training complex yeah. where they kind of get all the new players in the system and mm-hmm. goals and all that and uh and then we were at it pretty yeah, much playing short season and then uh they i mean i was in arizona for probably three or four days and you do a couple workouts and they kind of decide and i think they already have it like pre-decided but mm-hmm. they decide who they're going to send to go finish or go play a season of short season and who mm-hmm. they're going to keep there in arizona for rookie ball mm-hmm. um, and me I was on the first shipment out to Vermont, which was our short season. It was me mm-hmm. and Alfonso Rivas. Alfonso Rivas was our fourth round pick out of Arizona, who's now a big okay. Cubs, one of nice. the best hitters I've ever played with. Um, and so I'm pretty jacked about that. I'm like, dude, let's go. Like I just got drafted in the twelfth round, which for me was like higher than I could have ever imagined. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then they're sending me straight to short season, which like for a guy coming in after the draft, like going to short season is kind of a big deal because that that just you feel like some worth there you feel like mm-hmm. they're excited about you yeah and they, they believe in you enough to send you straight to affiliated ball and yeah. not be around for rookie ball and acl and all that and so me and alfonso Rivas go out to short season um we're like the first two that go out there and i'm like dude let's go like yes pump, yeah you're pumped yeah you're juiced yeah and i'm still in cloud nine right like i just had a great <laughs> college season i just got drafted i'm like almost borderline cocky like i'm a dude mm-hmm. let's go like they just sent me me and this dude first they believe in us let's go let's do this and then i got to short season and just <laughs> tanked. tanked. was it was yeah. it so you say you tank so was it like the competition was just vastly uh, different was the pitching different was was there something yeah, that stuck it was, or was it was definitely a jump like it, it wasn't the velocity was definitely a jump um, yeah you know, where you go from college and, and again, playing in a mid-major conference, we, we, a lot of good pitching in that conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sunbelt, but 92, 94 was like the average of what mm-hmm. you're seeing. And then you get to pro ball and like, dude, even in single A, like even in short season, dude, you got 95, 98, like all over <laughs> the place. Like there, yeah. there's, there is no shortage of talent. Um, and so that was a big <laughs> adjustment for me, like just that velocity and getting yeah. on top. It. and 
I had a big launch angle swing. I was mm-hmm. big and just like toe tap and then just got under the ball. And that's why yeah. I hit 15 homers in college. Mm-hmm. But then I got to pro ball and they're throwing 98 at my letters up top. And you and can't I, get there. Yeah. Not even close. And then you added like wipe out sliders on top of that. Good changeups. Yeah. The pitching was a big adjustment, but more than that, like I was domed up like mm-hmm. way too quickly. I, I try to keep my confidence. You know, I struggled early on. I was like, dude, it's whatever. Like, they expect that like we're new i'm Mm -hmm. fine and then the struggles continued and like once your confidence starts shaking a little bit in this game it is hard yeah and Mm -hmm. so going from cloud nine getting drafted crushing in my junior year getting thrown into short season where i'm immediately just like struggling big time i think it took me three series before i got my first hit wow oh my gosh so it was just a big confidence shock and uh like i said once you start to lose confidence it's tough. And the difference mm-hmm. between pro ball and college ball is when you lose confidence in college ball, your teammates are there to pick you up. And this mm-hmm. is no knock at my teammates. I agree teammates in pro ball, but in pro ball, you're on your own, right? It's like, different. Yeah. Everyone's for themselves. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it, nobody cares about, you're not going and trying to win the league. If you do, that's great. But like, it's about developing and getting to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next that's level. everyone's goal. Everyone's goal is to make it to so, the big leagues. Pro ball is a little different. Like if you got a guy who plays the same position as you and like, you got to think about it. I just came in from the draft. There's guys already in short season. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a full roster already there and they, yeah. they're adding us draft guys to that roster. And so there's guys who've already been with the A's for a full year and they're in short season again, and they're probably not happy about it. And then you bring me out there and you, you put me in front of them starting over them. Right. Those guys are happy about it. And so <laughs> when I go out there and I'm struggling, I'm sure they're on the bench like good. Like get them out of there, put me back yeah. in. Like, I get yeah. it. Like it's every man for themselves. And so when you when you have those struggles, you don't have like this big team camaraderie of guys like you know picking you up and like, dude, you're good, you got this. And mm-hmm. it really is every man for themselves. And so big confidence shock, struggling hard, struggled to get out of it. And mm-hmm. uh, man, I I think I hit like right below 200 that first year short season, like literally yeah. 196 or something like that. And I was like, dude how do I go from cloud nine to just hitting 196? Like it was bad. <laughs> yeah. A, bit, a lot of it was the talent, but you know, mm-hmm. it was just all about after, after the first couple of weeks there and, and struggling, I just never got out of my head. So. Dang. So you, so you finished that year. I mean, that's a shot. I mean, I think like anyone that's, that's, I mean, there's a few that can probably navigate. I mean, you've just been thrown in all these different areas and now you're expected yeah. to perform on spot, like immediately. That's, I mean, that's tough, man. I think, and that's where the, the business aspect of it comes in more. It's like, okay, here, we just bought you. Like, okay, now I like go and, and perform. Let's see it. And it's like, that's, that's tough for anybody, man. Like that's not, yeah, I can imagine. So, so you finished that year, um, going to your off season. Was there something that you told yourself? Like, was there something you needed to change? Was there a, a mentality change? Yeah. I, um, mentality for sure. Like I mm-hmm. just, just the confidence. I had to get my confidence back. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. my, my first off season is honestly the reason why I think I I was not with the A's longer. My first mm-hmm. off season coming off of that season I just had was not good enough. I um I went back home to Houston and I didn't go and find like a facility with other pro guys training in a group. I was like because what I what I was used to and what I always did in college was like I just did my own thing. Like yeah. I, I would go to the gym at night after morning weights, I would go later at night, work out again, go to the cages, hit for a couple hours. And like, for me, that always worked. Like I mm-hmm. always thrived my best when I was just like by myself. No yeah, alone. Yeah. And, um, I was like, all right, I'm going to get back to that. It worked in college. Right. I'll, I'll figure it out. 
what I needed was totally different. I needed to be in a group of other pro guys just working around them. Like, and that's something like, like I said, like there's a camaraderie that comes with a pro off season group. That's mm-hmm. almost better than some of your pro teams. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I needed that. I needed that confidence boost. I needed to be around other guys grinding towards the same goal that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't do that, man. I just, I did things by myself. I had a, a, a teammate with the A's actually that lived down, down in that area named Austin Briggs, who, um, would throw me some live at bats from time to time, mm-hmm. but like it wasn't enough. I needed yeah. to be seeing live at bats probably twice a week, every week. I needed to make some swing adjustments. I had an extremely just super handsy. Like I told you, like the yeah. way I was a freshman in college, those adjustments I made to junior year. Yeah. Once I got into pro ball, everything was going so fast that I immediately mm-hmm. got like really stiff and short and like hands, hands, hands. I stopped using my body well. Um, cause I couldn't slow the game down. Like at that mm-hmm. level, I needed to slow the game down and that's when I really thrive is when I'm able to slow things down and I couldn't mm-hmm. do it. Um, a lot of that had to do with my mental, just, I was being a head case, but yeah. there were definitely some swing adjustments that needed to be made. And like, I could make those in the cage working with myself and I did, but I wasn't seeing enough live pitching to right. make those swing yeah. adjustments stick against live pitching. When it really you know, it, it's so, funny that you, it's funny that you say that cause like here, in San Antonio, you know, there's like, there's a couple facilities here. And like, even when I was, cause I went to school for an exercise and in, in sports science major. So I actually, where I trained at in the off season, um, was a place here in San Antonio. It was called explosive sports performance. And at the time it, it doesn't exist anymore. The guy ended up, you know, the, the guy who trained me and I ended up interning there, he ended up doing a different, a different venture. But at the time that was like the spot where like right. all, if you're, in, if you lived in San Antonio, if that's where you came back in off season, like this is right. where you trained. And like, I never understood that. And like, even back then, like I already finished my playing career. I was like looking into what I was going to be doing next. And I noticed that like when I, at 9am, every morning at 9am, there was like six, six, you know, pro guys would come in yeah. and they lift together. They had no affiliation with each other. Either they moved there before or like their spouses lived there. So that's where they came home to. They weren't from there. A couple of guys were, and I knew, and they played, they came up in San Antonio and I knew them and like, yeah. we were cool. But other guys that I had never seen before were now working out there. And then like now, like as I've been able to talk to Jose and like King and all these guys like here in San Antonio, DST is a good facility. And like, that's where all the other pro guys go. And I'm like, I never really, but now that you say that it makes sense. Like that's, they come and they train together and that's, that's 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 interesting. I went wrong. Like I obviously pro ball money is not great when you're playing minor Mm -hmm. league ball. Um, but I got my signing bonus. Like I had enough money to invest in myself and I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. I I just thought I could do things the way I'd always done it and it would work. I should have, being in Houston, I should have gone to DST in Houston because mm-hmm. that's that's where they started. Um, Kevin popped down there, and yeah. I had a lot of teammates down there that I saw training there. And I was like, I waited out. Like, I even I think I got in contact with them. I was like, okay, how much does this cost? What does <laughs> yeah. it look like? And like, man, like you're on a budget a little bit because minor league money, right, yeah, garbage. But uh, minor <laughs> league money, garbage. But uh, I, you know, I waited out, and I was like, all right, do I do I really want to spend this and go do that, or can I just kind of do my own thing like I've always done and I decided to do my own thing because it had always worked. And that's one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. I should have gone to DST. I should have gotten in a group and worked mm-hmm. and grinded with those guys. I would have had live at bats going every week. Yeah. And that was something that I did the following off season up mm-hmm. here at DFW with APEC. Um, one of the okay. best. Yeah. Yeah. My career. Yeah. And, yeah. um, but unfortunately by then it was too late. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, after that first off season, like I said, man, I think that's where I really dropped the ball. Cause I went back that next year with the A's and the struggles continued mm-hmm. because I, I had not seen enough yeah. pitching to make my swing adjustments stick. 
And so struggles continued. Confidence was still shook. Right. And I got stuck in extended spring training after mm-hmm. going from pretty good draw, draft prospect sent out to short season because they have a lot of belief in me to now my second season being put in extended spring training and then not even getting to low ball, low A ball. I, I got, I went out to low A for like three weeks because somebody got hurt. And mm-hmm. then as soon as I was done there, they sent me back to extended. And then I went back to short season to play in short season again in my second mm-hmm. year. And so I went from now being my first year excited draft prospect to now just kind of like another guy who's mm-hmm. got to figure it out. And already my confidence was still shook and I just, I never, <laughs> yeah. back. I was like trying my best to, it got to the point where I was almost like, all right, screw it. Just go play baseball and have fun mm-hmm. and um, stop worrying about where you're at. I think that's one of the, be- the best things or one of the worst things I did was I was constantly looking at the other guys in my draft class and it, it comparing, comparing yeah. where am I at compared to these guys? Well, why are they successful? Why are they moving up and I'm moving back? You know, mm-hmm. um, in comparisons of thief of joy, man, I was like, literally about this. I was literally about to say yeah, that. Man, it, yeah. You get so wrapped up in worrying about what everyone else is doing that I stopped focusing on my own work and my own development because I was so worried about everybody else. And so, yeah. There's just so many mental things that were thrown into my failure as a pro ball guy yeah. mm-hmm. that I just, I didn't, I didn't handle well. I, I yeah, really dude. became a head case. And once it's like a downward spiral, bro, like once it starts, it's hard, it's to, get hard out to get of, out of, no, dude, I, I feel you. Bro, the entire organization's evaluators coming and checking in on you and you know, what's going on? Why are you struggling? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just constantly watching you. And so it's just tough. Like yeah. once you're struggling, it's just it's, tough, man. It's you know, tough. it's funny. It's funny that you say that. Cause I can, I can attest to that, man. Like, cause I was a pitcher. And so my first year, you know, I came out of a small school here in San Antonio. I went to a small Catholic school here. And like, obviously like I was, I was decent. I was pretty good. I'm like a five, eight Mexican dude. So I like compared to a lot of other guys, I'm like not very big. And at the time I didn't take training seriously or anything. I just like went out there and threw as hard as I could. And I ended up signing as a catcher my first year. I got redshirted. I left. And then I was like, I got to go. Like I had, I had kind of like an advisor at the time. Like I was pretty good, but I wasn't that good. And he was like, yeah, you can't play D1. You're not ready. You can't play. You need to go Juco. And I ended up going out there and becoming a pitcher. I did okay my first year, second year. That's where I met Carson. Obviously, he came out my second year. And I, I, you know, I can say this now. I was like, after my first year of junior college and like coming into a world that's like way bigger than you thought it was going to be, it's like super eye opening. And you're like, dude, I'm, I'm like, I can't make it here with you. I got to figure something out. I was like taking all this stuff to get way much like super and it's Juco at the time. So I'm like taking like all this stuff and I don't recommend it. It's not the way to go, but that's what I felt at the time was right. I just like, I felt like I had to get to this level. Yeah, like you had to figure like, something there's out. There's just like, you're playing against guys like Carson that are like six, five and they're throwing like 95 and you're like, I'm like five, eight throwing like, yeah, dude. I mean, it was insane. Like you're playing against like San Jack, like those guys are loaded. I mean, it's, yeah. it's stupid. You're just like, I don't know. I got to figure this out. So I'm like over here throwing 86, 88 on a good day. Like, I'm like, I got to figure it out. Come out my second year. And I, I'm, I'm like juiced up. I'm huge. <laughs> I'm throwing like 91 to 93 at this point. Like it's a massive jump. Yeah. But the thing was, was like, I was good my first year. And that's when I had, I had a lot of scouts. I had a lot of people. I had a couple, actually a couple major league scouts come and talk to me because I was, I was solid. I did really good. But coming into the next year, that spring, the same thing, I got rocked by McClendon Junior College. I got destroyed, man. They just lit me up. And ever since that day, I just was never the same. And it's the same concept. Like I could not get my confidence back. They'd put me in short stints, dude. 
like against like smaller junior con, I just would like get into like a block and I just like could not couldn't hit with pitches. I mean, I was like throwing over the backstop. It was like crazy in mountain head, and I never really came out of it. It just like I went to go play D two ball and it was cool. It was like all right, but like you never came back to that level. So I feel that like the con- if the confidence doesn't come back, Dude. whatever you do, it's it's super hard to get back into it, man. So and it's I, hard, I relate it's hard to you. To get back, it mm-hmm. really is. It's like yeah, man. It's just once you lose it, man. It's and I feel like that's. Mm-hmm. It's just such a hard sport. It is, man. Any other sport, it's like I feel like you can get it back. You'll find your way. Mm-hmm. But it's such a, especially in pro ball. It is like I said, it's so individual. Like you can't lean on your teammates to to help boost your yeah. morale. Like, you're on your own. Yeah, man. And it wants that confidence shaken. And and another thing too was like I was being moved all over the place from short season to to back to extended out to low A for a little bit. Back to extended, yeah. like. I think had I been given a little time to just like settle in, like kind of adjust, away, yeah, yeah. I struggled those first couple of weeks, and this is going to sound like an excuse, and it kind of is, but like I was playing in <laughs> Beloit, Wisconsin, in April, and it was literally snowing half the games. We played it was brutal. Hell no, so I'm sucking. I'm like, of course I can't hit. These dudes are still throwing 95, and I can't feel my hands. And <laughs> started to warm up a little bit, and I started mm-hmm. I started swinging a little better, and I was like, right when I started to settle in. They moved me back to Move uh, dang man, extended. and I was just like, like as soon as that confidence started getting back, nope, right back gone. To so it's just it's a constant battle, and honestly, the mental side of the game, and that's why everybody talks about the mental side of the game, mm-hmm. baseball, everything. There's there's no doubt in my mind, I had the physical talent to be a big leaguer. I did not mm-hmm. have it up here, and there's yeah. guys who did not have the physical talent that I do that are big leaguers because they have something figured out up top, and so that makes sense, man. Just, uh, it's a grind mentally. It is a grind and I, I didn't handle it well. And um, it's a shame because, you know, I, you, you work so hard your whole life to to chase this dream and you finally get it. And it's it's a shame for something like just mental toughness or mental weakness to mm-hmm. kind of deter you. Yeah, but, man. You know, it's with that being said, it's a life lesson, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll always be grateful for that. I got to experience and learn that. Mm-hmm. Um and I think for me, the big lesson was stop taking everything so seriously, man. Like yeah, man. the reason you played this game as a young kid was because it's fun. And the mm-hmm. beauty of this game is that it's fun and it's a game. Yeah. I, I've forgotten pro ball that it's a game. I started making everything a job. I started making, mm-hmm. putting all this pressure on myself. Got to perform. It's a job. Got to perform, which it is in a sense, but I only perform when I'm having fun and I wasn't having fun. And I, yeah. I never allowed myself to just escape mentally and just go play the game for what it is and have fun. Yeah. And Fast forward to 2020, um, Corona. Mm-hmm. I just had a bad season in 2019 again. And so I was like, okay, this off season, I'm doing something different. I'm not making yeah. the same mistake I made last season. So by this time I'm married, I'm up here living in DFW and APEC is like the place to be up I've here. I've heard of APEC. That's a, that's a beautiful facility, bro. That place yeah, is legit. So I was, it was expensive and I was like, <laughs> I can I'm imagine, yeah. like I am investing myself. I, yeah. I will not, I have to do, cause by this point I knew like my, my back was against the ropes here. Like mm-hmm. I, I got to do everything I can this off season to not get cut next season yeah. because I, I've been struggling hard. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to invest whatever I need to. I'm going to get around a group of guys and like do that pro group at APEC was unreal. We had mm-hmm. Derek Hall and Trevor Story, Dang. Michael Walker, plus a bunch of other minor league studs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, I'm doing it. I don't care how expensive it is. And it was expensive. My wife was like, <laughs> sure. And I was like, I, I, <laughs> you I need cannot. it, man. You have to. Yeah, I could not be okay with myself knowing that I didn't invest everything that I had into keeping the dream alive. And yeah, so dude. I did, and 
best off season I could ask for. I was getting live at bats weekly. I was training just around other dudes, just getting after it with guys who were chasing the same thing I was chasing. Mm-hmm. And it made me a way better ball, ball player. And yeah. that was the best thing I could do. And so spring training rolls around and I'm feeling confidence is back, right? Like, like that's what I'm talking about. When you're in a group surrounded by that kind of energy, your yeah. confidence is going to shoot up because all those yeah. guys are confident, right? We're all yeah. chasing the same thing. We're all hyping mm-hmm. each other up in those pro groups in the off season. And so my confidence was back. I went into 2020 feeling better than ever. I was like, all right, this is the year it's going to click for me. And so went out to spring training. We play one inner squad. They rip us off the field halfway through it. And they're like, we got to send you guys home. We don't know what's going on, but it's something serious. And so mm-hmm. they send me home. I'm like, well, that sucks. Like I was feeling really, yeah. really confident. I was about to light it up. And then, um, I got a call a couple weeks into quarantine and it was the ace saying, Hey man, obviously times are tough right now. We mm-hmm. have to let a lot of guys go. And yeah. just based off of what you've been able to do in your first half season and full season, we we're sorry, but we got to let you go. And I, I got yeah. it. Like I understood, man, yeah. I did not have the numbers that they needed and mm-hmm. being a 12th round guy that they had some money in. Like I'm sure they expected more. I expected more. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I didn't have any hard feelings towards them for why they let me go. I totally understood it. It was a crappy timing thing. I mm-hmm. think yeah. had Corona not hit, I would have been a different story. Yeah. Another full season to figure it out. And I mm-hmm. really believe the way I prepared that off season, I was going to figure it out that season. Yeah. Um, but it just didn't happen. And and that's for me, that's a God thing. God's timing. He, he had a different plan for me and yeah. I, I had to be okay accepting that. And early on, yeah. it was hard to accept. It was obviously, no, upset. Yeah, I, can, I can imagine, but I was like, all right, you know what, what do I do now? You know? And that's, that mm-hmm. was kind of like a turning point for me. I was like, do I go play indie ball? Do I keep this dream alive? Cause like I'm in a place where I feel so confident in the mm-hmm. adjustments and the work I just put in that last off season. And I hated that I didn't get a chance to show on the field what that, work was going to do for me so i gotta ask did i was like did you did you go play indie ball yeah so um covid's going on and the joliet slammers out in joliet illinois Mm -hmm. um, they're in the frontier league they threw together like this four team small just shortened season 26 games um and the the owner called me was like hey we're we're putting together just a small short corona season and Mm -hmm. i was like I'm there. Like I, I want the opportunity I can to go play right now because I'm feeling the most confident and prepared I ever have. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I took that opportunity. I went out to Juliet and played and I hit 10 home runs in 26 games. And like, Dang. I was back. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, okay, surely these numbers gotta be good. Somebody has got to take a look at these and pick me up. Mm-hmm. And it was just that timing. 2020 was just such a tough time. It was a shitty year, man. It really teams was. Only, teams could only get rid of guys. They weren't picking mm-hmm. anybody up. You know? yeah. So no matter what numbers I put up, I mean, I put up video game numbers out there. I hit like 330, <laughs> 10 jacks. percentage was stupid. I had more walks and strikeouts for the first time in probably five years. Dang. And um, it, it was just, I was like, all right, that was my hard work paying off right there. And mm-hmm. I'm about to get picked back up because I worked hard for that. And uh it just didn't happen. The timing was mm-hmm. just tough, man. Nobody yeah. was anybody up that that time. And so, um, but what did happen was it, it gave me an, an opportunity to go play for Cleburne in the AA. Uh, yeah. Which is, in my opinion, the American Association is probably one of the top indie ball leagues. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some studs in that league. Mm-hmm. And so, um, those numbers that I put up out there gave me a chance to go play in the AA. And the owner of Cleveland called me. and was like, look, I've seen your pro ball numbers and they worry me a little bit, but I also saw what you just did in 26 games. Yeah. 
that's enough yeah. for me to say, okay, let's give this guy a chance out here. And so, um, 2021 following year, I go out to Cleburne play, have a pretty good season. I think I hit mm-hmm. like two, 270, 280, 13 homers. I was nine hole most of the year. I mean, like mm-hmm. I said, there were some studs on that team. So yeah. I was like, in the lineup. Yeah. Um, Everyone knows Cleburne. Cleburne's solid. Right. Like yeah. I had a consistent year and so in a good league. And so yeah. I, I always told myself, I'm going to give myself one full season of indie ball. I didn't count the Joliet thing because it was a mm-hmm. short season. I'm going to give myself one full season of indie ball to get back into the into affiliate ball. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to be done and hang them up. Because at this point, I'm married. My wife and I are trying to start a family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indie ball money is not great. And so at <laughs> yeah. some point in your career and just in your life, you got to kind of start making some grown-up decisions. And so mm-hmm. um, I played out there and had a good, good year, a steady year, pretty consistent. And I was like, it's good, but I don't know if it's enough to get picked up. Not when there's mm-hmm. other guys in this league hitting 25, 30 jacks and hitting over 300. I mean, the league yeah. is stupid, bro. There was mm-hmm. a good talent. I saw I believe it in that league than I think I saw in, in minor league ball. And so um, that's another thing. If you're, if you're a guy who you're finishing up college and you feel like you want to keep the dream alive and it's not in the form of affiliate ball or MLB ball, like go take a shot with indie ball. I'm telling you, it's, it's frowned upon, I feel like, and it shouldn't mm-hmm. be. Well, well, here's the deal, man. Like, I think, and it's it's a tough spot to be in, man. Like, because I, I've, you know, everyone knows indie ball before COVID, and indie ball before COVID was kind of like it was like, eh, you know, it was like a, it was a wishy washy thing. But like, you know, I talked to Carson, and Carson plays indie ball, and I'm like, that dude's raw, that dude's solid. Yeah. And then he kind of like elaborated because we, you know, funny story, we have a guy on because I play men's league on Sundays. Actually, we're going to play tonight. Nice. It's going to be kind of fun, but um, like. And that's, that's another, so we'll talk about that in a minute, but like, like we have a guy on our team and he played at Hilson. I think it's like a, it's a school in Houston. I can't remember the name of it, man. It's a D2 school and his name is Jacob Hubbard. He played at the Bernie champion. Dude is huge. He throws like 94. He's a stud dude. I mean, he's, he's good. He's a little wild. I catch him all the time. He's a little, he's a little wild, but he's got some, he's got some serious stuff. He's got, he throws some heat and he goes out and he'll play with us like when he can, cause he plays Pecos league. And I'm yeah. sitting here going, dude, if you're playing Pecos League, like what what else is out there? Like yeah. and Carson was like, Well, when this whole thing happened with COVID, yeah, you know, all these minor league guys that got let go, where they go? Straight to indie ball. And I'm yeah. like, So indie ball is no joke anymore. Dude. Shit now. Yeah, yeah it's sure. it's real. That's, that's a good point. I think before COVID it was not that it, there wasn't some talent there, but I think dude, after COVID, there were so many minor leaguers like oh who's looking to play. Mm-hmm. And it just elevated indie ball. And oh yeah. Like when I was playing in the AA that year. I mean, half the pitchers I were facing were ex AAA, some ex big leaguers. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, dude, they were legit. And so, yeah, indie ball now is is pretty legit. And a lot of those leagues are actually partnered with MLB. Yeah, yeah. I honestly have no idea what that means. I I don't know. I, I think it. it I think but, it just kind of gives them a little more money in their pocket, probably pay guys and and so, attendance yeah. and stuff, business stuff. Yeah, but but I see it all the time, man. I, I follow tons of guys that I I knew from minor league ball that went on to play indie ball, and they're getting contracts right now. They're getting picked mm-hmm. back up because they're just they're grinding it out, and it's not easy. No, I mean, like I said, like I had to make the choice to choose. Okay, what's next? I got to start thinking about my family and and you know what do I want to go? Where do I want to go next? And the love of the game was still there, but it wasn't mm-hmm. enough for me to choose continuing to grind through indie ball and be away from family. Like I wanted to be with my wife and yeah, start yeah. family. we did mm-hmm. that and we have our own facility now. And best decision I ever made was hanging them up when I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just glad that Cleburne was like a chance for me to go out on my own terms, finish yeah, yeah. season, do what I knew I was capable of and, 
kind of like get rid of those couple of terrible seasons I had with the A's because I knew I was mm-hmm. better than that. I just knew I was in my head. And so yeah. I was glad I got that opportunity. And and now, I mean, I couldn't be happier. Me and my wife have our own facility up here yeah. and we're killing it. We got, like you said, a, a newborn here, almost three month old baby girl. And it's just, I, I, I couldn't even think about playing baseball again. Right no, now. it's, it's too much. Yeah. That, you know, it's funny you say that, man. Cause like, I know guys, like I've, I know plenty of guys who play and, you know, they're in the same spot you were at and, you know, they struggle maybe here and there. And I, I always think about that. Cause like, obviously I, I had to make that choice. Obviously any ball was never in my, my area. I was like, I got to figure it out. Like anytime you switch something like where you've done it your whole life, it's a tough spot to be in. Cause it's like, what, where do you, how do you yeah. almost like you lose like almost like an identity crisis. It's like, who are you yeah. now? Cause this is what you've done forever. And it's I like, think, no, that's spot on. And I think for me, the reason why that, that choice to retire was a little easier was because I knew I had something to look forward to. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. I knew we were building our own player development facility. Mm-hmm. Here. I knew I was married and, and I knew I wanted to start a family. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think for a lot of guys, all they know is baseball. There's a lot yeah. of guys who they don't, they're not married. They don't have like any other things. All they have is the game. They've given everything to the game. That's who they are. Yeah. And I respect that. <clears throat> yeah. These guys playing to 27 to 30 years old because they're just yeah. keep the dream alive. And it's like the reason tough, why they man. do that, I think a part of them is afraid to hang it up because they don't know what's next for them. Yeah. And I agree. I think that, that has to be they a feel like they're losing a, piece. a piece of their identity and yeah. I totally get it, man. It's tough. And, for me, that was one thing. Like I always tried to not wrap up my identity too much in baseball because I knew at some point I got to take the cleats off. And if my yeah. identity is wrapped up in the game, when I have to take the cleats off, I'm going to be lost. Mm-hmm. And so I think the fact that I had something to look forward to in the next chapter, I knew that there were things that I was going to go and do when I was done playing. It made the decision easier. But I, I totally get it, man. That's why it's really hard for a lot of guys to to make that decision. But mm-hmm. like you see, man, there's there's a lot. There's a lot of good after baseball. There's, oh, there's yeah, dude. So much oh, yeah. Life. When this game is over, there is so much joy and other things to life. And we've just been so wrapped up in it. <laughs> yeah, man, I feel that. Yeah. It's almost like a huge weight lifted off your shoulders almost. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, I miss it. And I, I played in men's league sometimes, too, up here on Sundays. <laughs> and like, just, to, just to keep that competitive. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. But, um the joy that I have now with what I'm doing and running my facility and being with my family, it does not compare to anything I felt in baseball. And so, you know, I think for a lot of guys, they're, they're afraid to take that leap because they just don't know what's next for them in life. But I promise you the lessons you've learned from playing this game your whole life, you will find something and go and be successful in it. Yeah, man. For sure. It was was definitely not an easy thing to do, but easier because I knew I had something to look forward to after. Yeah. So, so I know you said you had a facility, so I know that that's, that's actually really awesome. So what was, I know you obviously, you said you had it in plans before you hung up the cleats, right? So how, what was the idea? And I know I need to have your wife on here too, man, cause she's got, I'm sure some incredible stories. So sooner or later we'll have her on here. Um, cause we're trying to get softball people on here too, but I want to get your take right now. So what, what was the, was there always a goal to do something like that? Was that something y'all had like talked about like forever ago and, and what, what's kind of the purpose behind that facility? When we got engaged and married and uh, really just in my off seasons up here, um, her parents owned D-Bats. Up here oh, okay. All right. Okay. She grew up around it. And um, we always had a place to go give lessons just to make some extra cash in the off season because we both played. And so when we're in the off season, right, yeah. we needed somewhere to just make some money. And so right. we always worked and gave lessons at their D-Bats. And uh, it was great. But, you know, knowing that our skill set and our credentials both 
playing in college, both playing pro ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, DBAT obviously has to make their cut too. And so right. yeah. they're taking half of your money off the top of your lessons. Right. And mm-hmm. at some point, like you have to make a career choice to, to make enough money to support your family. And so right. um, for both of us, we were felt like in her more than me, but like, we felt like we were doing all these lessons and really grinding. I mean, we're on our feet all day working yeah. seven, eight hour days on your feet, giving lessons for seven, eight hours straight. Right. And the money was still just kind of like, eh. Yeah, yeah. So we're like, look, I still have some signing bonus and savings. Um, <clears> we looked into it. We, and we always wanted our own place. Yeah. But the timing had to be right. And so we knew we could build something special out here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, with my signing bonus, I was able to put some money into it. We were able to build it out. And we, we leased a building. We don't own the yeah, building. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a smart way to go about it. Yeah. It's really just a starting spot. We're, mm-hmm. we're in a five-year lease. and uh, But we knew we were good at what we do. We knew we were good mm-hmm. instructors. And we knew we had the credentials. <clears throat> we knew the clients would come. If you build it, they will come. And so <laughs> we did it. We built it. And um, really just the vision and the purpose was just to we just want to help the next generation man we feel like we have so much experience yeah in man. absolutely and honestly after a year it's been a year we opened last october i can say i've taught my hitters more about the failure i've experienced i've taught them more through the failure i've experienced in this game than the success yeah yeah dude Down to the mechanics of hitting the things i teach my hitters are things that i didn't do well in pro ball and the mm-hmm. reason i and adjust to 95 up in the zone and to tough breaking balls. Like yeah. everything we teach our kids, a lot of it is based off of the failure. And that's, that's back to the point of, you know, the game of baseball, the game of softball, the failure you endure and you, you, you just learn things through it. And those mm-hmm. things that you learn propel you into the next chapter of life and make you good at what you do in the next chapter of life. If I didn't yeah. fail as much as I did, I wouldn't be a good instructor. I wouldn't yeah. be able to teach these kids the life lessons I'm teaching them. And so that failure was just so necessary. I mean, it's a prerequisite for success. Oh, yeah, I, dude. Absolutely. Just, uh, and that's that's really our goal. Like, that's our mission. We we don't just want to make better softball and baseball players. We want to make better human beings. And, and we feel like Amen. with what we've learned through the failures of our sport, we're able to really do that out at our facility and just create more a deeper relationship than just baseball and softball coach. You know, yeah, and man. so... Um, we've been at it for a year. Business is great. We've got a lot of really great clients and we're loving it. And once our five-year lease is up, we're going to hopefully buy a nice plot of land out here in Alito and throw up probably 7,500 yeah. square foot facility and just make it sweet. So Yeah, man. So awesome. so in that facility, is it is it mostly just cages? Y'all got weight rooms? Y'all got weights in there and so stuff? It's, or? Um, it's small. It's like right around 2,000 square feet. We got two big cages. We definitely mm-hmm. wanted just being hitters our whole life. I, I hate when a cage is like saggy and it's real. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're going to use the space. We're going to maximize the cage space. Like mm-hmm. that's what we want to be the main part of this. Right. We got two cages that are like 15 feet wide and almost 18 feet tall. Like they're big. Like you get nice. in there. And yeah. Yeah. And, and so I know as a hitter, I love that. It's um, beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. And then we got a tiny, I mean, it's a small weight room, but it's mm-hmm. enough to get the job done. Um, yeah. And then just kind of like our front desk seating area. So two cages in a weight room, man. That's all we needed. One for her, one for me. And, you know, we're, yeah, we're both going full time and it's, it's been great. We're making it work. So we're, that's we're awesome, up. man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, building a facility, I think is that's like, that's always been a dream of mine, but you know, things change, you know, but like, that's, that's awesome, dude. Like y'all get to do stuff like that. That's, yeah. and it that's was big. That's big. It was a, I it bet was, it was. Yeah. It's a scary leap. Like the idea of owning your own business and like, 
having your own yeah. facility like the idea i always thought that'd be cool but like no way i could do it right it's like, tough that's yeah it's, it's a tough spot to be in yeah but luckily my wife is smart and she was like no we can do it like <laughs> have that much money to invest you can get loans yeah. you can do these mm-hmm. things like it's okay like take those leaps man it, it pays off and so i'm super yeah. glad we did it i something i don't think i would have ever done without my wife i'm really grateful for that because if i didn't have her i probably would have just gone on to like coach at a college somewhere yeah. or like been an instructor at a facility at a DBAT. Mm-hmm. I'd be giving lessons at DBAT still probably. So yeah. um she definitely pushed me and to to do that. Like let's start our own place and it it's been really awesome. So yeah. So that's that's interesting you say that man. I know because you, you're big with DBAT. So your parents own the entirety of DBAT or like own DBAT yeah, in they, that area? They, they own just a couple DBAT locations up here cool. in the DFW. So I'll I'll be careful with what I say here. So DBAT and this is something that I just know like I because you know growing up in San Antonio like it's a big city, but like, it's tough to find a, a solid facility, like a legitimate right. like baseball place. I mean, we got some spots here, but like, in DBAT, no offense to DBAT, but like, it's just not the greatest here either. It's just there's just pieces of it that aren't there, and it's just like right. if you can make a solid facility with like awesome with like good coaches and, and a yeah. good like I guess like mission statement, like what you're trying to do in it with right. weights with like an all inclusive spot, dude, it'll be successful if you do it exactly. the right way. And that was yeah. our thing. We wanted to do it the right way. Like yeah. we had been with DBAT forever. And and like you said, no knock at DBAT. DBAT's been great for a yeah, lot. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, you walk in and it's it's the same. You got the green turf, <laughs> the walls, yeah. green walls, the top of the walls. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, over time it just starts to look dingy. And, mm-hmm. and um, for us too, it was, it was all, honestly just the chaos of it too. Like most DBATs are big. Like you got a mm-hmm. lot of changes going on. There's teams in there practicing. There's, mm-hmm. There's a lot like we wanted to make a spot that one we could design and create to our own aesthetic. And yeah. Our place is pretty sweet, man. It's it's got gray turf, black hitting Ooh, mats, nice. yeah. uh, black hitting mats, black black and white walls. Like it's really just a clean black and white aesthetic in there. It looks awesome. But the big thing was just like the chaos. Like there's no chaos. We don't have mm-hmm. people screaming. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. like yelling to a kid trying to get him to hear me during the <laughs> yeah. team. There, like it's just it's just calm. It's just us. And there's no drama and it's just, it's really just peaceful for us. It's, it's a peaceful work environment. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's, that's was cool. so great to us for, you know, an opportunity to work and, and have a place to just work out of college, mm-hmm. um, to make some easy money and, uh, and really get the ball rolling as far as lessons. Cause I had to learn a lot about being an instructor yeah. too. And so, yeah. um, I got to do all that and learn all that through DBAT. DBAT was great for that. But at some point we knew we wanted to make our own facility that mm-hmm. could just be chaos free really nice and clean looking. And I feel like we really accomplished that and, and it pays off, man. The people, like you said, you build something good, it's going to be successful and it really has. Yeah, been, so, so, so I got to ask, so the, so the itch that you have, so I know you said you go and play men's league every so often. So yeah. do you feel, and this is something that I ask, I ask guys that finish that are done playing. Obviously I couldn't ask Carson. I couldn't ask some of these other guys, but I asked buddies of mine, like, so the game's over, you know, you played your, your stint in pro ball, then you played indie ball. Do you feel like there is still space to play now? as as who you are now you're a father you're you're a business owner do you feel like there's a spot to still play or do you feel sometimes it's like i want to play only when it like means something right yeah no way i I think um i think there's still talent to play like Mm -hmm. i I swing and i still got it a little bit but i think (laughs) the overall want like you said is there space in my life for that no not Mm -hmm. at all like i i couldn't imagine leaving my work and my family and going and playing another full season somewhere. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it sounds terrible. <laughs> unless, unless <laughs> just kind of like, no, nah, yeah. Unless the New York Yankees called me tomorrow and said, Hey, we, we want to fly you up to New York. You're going to be on the big league squad this year. Like, 
okay sure i mean yeah different millions yeah. of dollars yeah but like nah man there's 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 no really amount of baseball or money right now that money from baseball that it would like get me to to get up and, and go play again mm-hmm. um you know and like i said the itch to compete is still there yeah you know i just like to compete and when you've mm-hmm. competed your whole life and it's there's nothing in like you move on to that next chapter and there's not a whole lot of competition you just miss it mm-hmm. like you yeah. compete and so and that's why you see me and my wife we're always posting stuff because <laughs> we're always competing we're playing yeah. we're, we're pitching to each other trying yeah. to strike each other out like that sometimes is is what helps us fulfill that itch of wanting to compete still. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and like you said, man, like playing men's leagues on Sunday, that allows me to still go get some swings in and, and yeah, play the game for fun, like for mm-hmm. what it's supposed to be played as, yeah. um, because I feel like that gets lost sometimes in, mm-hmm. in pro ball. Um, and so it's plenty, man. It's enough to, to fulfill that, that competitive itch. That feel. Just go out there and have fun and compete yeah. a little bit and, and still get to play the game, but just for fun. That's all it yeah, is. Yeah. That's that. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. I mean, because yeah. go ahead. No, I was just saying, like okay. this game competitively again, like legitly. I, I hard pass, man. I think I've, <laughs> I've done what I needed to do. No more game. left. Yeah, I've learned what I've needed to learn. I've moved on, and I'm I could not be happier with just where my life is at. So yeah, because I struggled with that for a while. Because I have a buddy of mine who runs like because it's there's a big like league out here. There's a couple. And I'm kind of like, he's always been like, Hey, you can come play, like, come play. Cause he knew I could st- like, I, I'm active. I work, I do all that run. I do all that stuff. So like, I'm, I'm pretty active considering some of the other guys that are out there. They're pretty, yeah, you're jacked. I can tell. Oh, appreciate it, man. But like, yeah, so I'm like, I'm, I'm like fit, but like there's some guys obviously in men's league that just aren't like, they're just right. like, they're just out there. Right. Right. And he's always asking me, he's been asking me for like years, dude, like, come on, come on, come on. You can play first. Cause my arm's blown. I need, I need Tommy John. I need it. Oh. I got the tap, but I'm not going to ever get it. I can't, yeah. I can't fathom sitting for 18 months. Like you just can't do it. Yeah. Um, and he's like, just come out and like play or whatever. And I'm like, for like years, man, I'm talking like six, seven years. He would bug me and bug me. And like, finally I like got it. I was like, fine. Okay. I'll go play with you, dude. Like I'll go yeah. play. I hadn't played in years, man, like at all. And it's like, it changed, man. It's like different. I go out there and like, I just like hang out and just like take like daddy hacks all day at the plate. Yeah. I wasn't even a hitter, but like, I'll just go swing. And it's like, it's a weird, it's weird. It's just changed yeah. like randomly. Yeah. So I know what you mean. Like you just go out there and just, you're not playing it competitively. Like I'll just right. go out there and just like, if I pitch, I'll throw as hard as I can just to see right. what's going to happen. You're still competing. Like, like when I'm facing a dude in men's league, like I'm going to go beat the dude that's pitching yeah. at me. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm, I'm a competitor, but you don't care if you win or lose. Like you're just, mm-hmm. you're just playing yeah. the game for the beauty of it, which yeah. is just fun. It's, it's like, you're, like you're a kid playing a wiffle ball game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. It's all that's how the game's always meant to be played. And I think pro ball and college ball and all these competitive areas, they're beautiful, but sometimes we lose out on the, the fun of the game mm-hmm. because we get so wrapped up in performance and mm-hmm. that's what makes the game not fun anymore. And <laughs> yeah. Like that's what I made it not fun. Like I didn't enjoy baseball when I was playing pro ball and I hate that for me. <laughs> yeah. I, wish I would have enjoyed it and had more fun. So mm-hmm. <laughs> got a putt back there. <laughs> But yeah, man. So, so what's the name of your facility one more time? Um, it is Alpha Player, Alpha Player Development. Alpha Player Development. Is it just you? Is it just? Is it just you and your wife that coach out there? Or do y'all have y'all hire other? Yeah, we we hired a couple more instructors this off season. As mm-hmm. my wife was pregnant, she had mm-hmm. to take some time off. Yeah, so obviously. And yeah. um, a couple softball instructors. One's named Shannon Rhodes. She played at UT. Um, oh, plays wow. pro softball now. Total stud. And then another is Sarah Miller. She's our pitching instructor for softball. Nice. Um, and she played at Kansas. But as far as the baseball goes, I brought in a guy named Brent Sitta this past, because uh, mm-hmm. I also needed to take a little time off. Yeah. He's in trouble with the Pirates. And so 
that was one thing. Like, if we're going to bring on employees, they're, they're going to be. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you got a, right. you got a UT, a Kansas, a pro right. player. Y'all, y'all yeah, got the real so, deal out there, man. Um, but I think the idea in the future is when we do expand, we'll, we'll probably, next facility, we're thinking probably four cages, big cages, mm-hmm. full weight room. And there it'll be me, the wife, we'll hire two instructors, and then we'll have a strength and conditioning coach full time there, there too. You go. As well. so, I was going to say, so. So. Yeah, so you you have this facility. Is, is strength training? Is that something that you guys take pretty seriously in that in that yeah, regard? I you, think, um, yeah, yeah. Like I, so my wife and and I both went to school for the same thing: sports science, basically, and mm-hmm. kinesiology. And so, um, I I mostly run the strength and conditioning programs there. Um, a lot of it's just one on one. You know, people yeah. look at a one on one strength session with me just like they would a private lesson. Um, but we also offer some classes too, some for the youngins. Like, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah like a strength and conditioning class yeah uh, like once a week and we'll get five or six kids in there and just do some stuff together but i think strength training is something that is so underutilized <laughs> in sport yeah. um just body yeah. awareness how to use mm-hmm. your body and and I, another thing i didn't learn until it was too late is just how to have good mobility and flexibility and power in the right areas that you need for your specific sport it is such an important thing that is so underutilized and if there's any high schoolers listening. This is like the number one piece of advice I could give to a high schooler. Get in the gym. Like <laughs> you don't even have to have a good idea of what you're doing. Just get mm-hmm. in the gym and move some weight and like get to know your body, get to know where you're weak, get to know how your mobility is. Like, do you have bad hips? Like, what do you need to work on? Figure those things out, get mm-hmm. in the gym and attack those things. You will thank yourself for it later on in your career. Cause there's just, there's just so many areas of our sport that you can enhance your performance right. just by having a better body, a stronger yeah, body dude. in certain areas, better mobility, and definitely something that uh, I didn't utilize enough until like later in college. Once I got into college, I started getting into it. But man, I wish I could have done that in high school. So um, it's one of those things, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, man. So 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 you've got that going on is there anything you want to tell the people about about the the facility what's going on out there what you've got going on what what the future holds i know you've kind of given you've alluded kind of like i already touched on um we're out here in alito texas if you're in the dfw and you need a place to train for your for your young kids or high schoolers or even college kids man take a take a look at us we're alpha player development train-alpha.com um and uh like i said we're we're just really trying to use our pro experience and use our experience in this game to help kids coming up, learn the do's and don'ts and, and yeah. where you need to get better as far as just your overall game, the mental side of the game, the nutrition, the strength, um, mm-hmm. more than just the the baseball stuff or the softball mm-hmm. stuff. Like there's just so much more that goes in the game. Like I, like I talked about my entire pro, that whole segment we talked about my pro career, none of that had to do with any of my physical ability. It was all mental. And mm-hmm. so those are things that we're teaching and, I can, I can teach my young hitters from the stuff that I struggle with mentally, how to avoid those things that I, yeah. that I have to face. And so, um, man, I feel like we're, we're one of the best facilities in the area because we have that experience and, uh, we can share our knowledge through our failure mm-hmm. with up and coming players. So. Yeah, man, for sure. Well, dude, we, we truly appreciate having you on here, man. It's been a hell of a time. Yeah, yeah man. You don't have to hang up just yet. We'll, we'll talk after this. I got to end yeah. it, but yeah. Thanks everybody for watching. This is Noah Vaughn. Um, out in Alito, Texas, doing some really great things. Congratulate him. He is a new, a new dad. So as you can tell by the hat, if you didn't hear the beginning, 
for a share. But thanks a lot, guys, for watching. This will be available, I'm hoping, next Wednesday. Um, it depends. I'm a one-guy team here, so when I have to edit it and clip it up, I'm a one-guy team here. But uh, thanks for listening, guys. This should be on Apple Music, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you listen to your podcast, it'll be there and on YouTube. So be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. Um, and follow Noah. I'll, I'll put his handle in there so you can check him out and his wife, uh, Riley. We'll put it in there. But once again, guys, thanks, and we'll, we'll catch you in the next one. Appreciate it.